0: Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome How's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing? If you can't tell I'm feeling great And no Not just because these NBA Finals appear to be going exactly the way thought they would. And no, I'm not coming in here to tell you and, and beat my chest and talk about how I'd be right. It's not what I'm here to do today. I uh, kind of <laughs> not about that, though, just in general. Because y'all know if this is your first time joining us. Welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I am your host, John Ferris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host Wally. Say what up, Wally. So if you can't tell, the vibe, the energy, everything is up today. I would like to start with a little uh a little house cleaning. So I, I pride myself and, and this show being based on being honest, being open. Again, we are a family. If you are listening to this, if you're if, the, if you're a return listener, you are part of the Cyber family. If you are first time here, we're gonna treat you like family you're part of the family if you if you join us today you're part of the family so as a part of that i must say i will acknowledge like some of you may have i mean i haven't heard anything from anyone but just in my brain here's how i feel the last couple shows have been lacking look the truth is is it's a slow time in the sports uh year uh Again, I do a show once a week, the idea of talking about baseball. If I bring up something on Thursday that happened Wednesday, by the time you hear it, already two more games. So much happens, right, to try to follow it. Um, Hockey, I'm not really into hockey. I'm going to be honest, brutally honest. So it's pretty much basketball, football of all varieties. And it's kind of nothing happening in football. So it's all been on basketball. And there's only the conference finals are just two games. Spread out by a couple of days. Like, it's not much going on. So, the last couple shows have been lacking in terms of uh, content. And I apologize. I need to do a better job of giving you guys something more than what I've been given. Now, I was sick. Uh, last week, we did do the finals preview um that's pretty much all we did so the episodes have been short I don't know if that's a problem for you guys or not but I just feel like my energy wasn't where it needed to be uh my attention to detail wasn't where it needed to be I was a little distracted we back now okay today we are back and we are ready to go full clip so let's go right into it let's get started with the finals now first off about the finals let me just say I hate the format of the schedule. I hate it. I hate that they had the game on Thursday and then two games off and then again on Sunday and then two games off and then they're having the game tonight. As I'm recording this on Wednesday, game three is happening tonight and then they have a day off and then they have a game on Friday and then two days off. It's like, bro, it's. I hate it. I hate it. And I'll tell you why I hate it. The two days in between games, in my opinion, kills all of the excitement and buzz and momentum of the finals. After game one, they were riding high, right? Denver was riding high. Miami was, oh, man, are they overmatched? Is this, is this series over already? Everyone's talking about how great Denver is and blah, 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 blah. For the first day after, that was great. The next night should have been game two. You got all the excitement of the series. You probably got a big number in terms of ratings. Like Follow that up quickly and get them another game. Having that second day off in between, in my opinion, by the time you got to that day, all right, we already spent yesterday reviewing the game, talking about it, breaking it down from every angle. Now the next day, what are we going to do? Break it down again? Like, all right, so for example, Sunday night was game two. Miami wins. Monday, everyone talks about the game. What happened last night? What does this mean? What is that? Da-da-da-da-da. You break it down. That's Monday. Now, Tuesday, you should have a game. Because then you would spend the day on Tuesday rehashing a little bit what you talked about on Monday and how you broke it down. And now talking about what's going to happen tonight. Then Wednesday, you come in and you talk about the game on Tuesday. And then Thursday night, there's another game. Instead, what you have is Monday, you came in, you broke down the, the game. And then Tuesday, you came in and was like, all right, we got to kind of break it down again. What do you think is going to happen in game three? Okay. And then now Wednesday comes and it's like, well, now the game's tonight. So now you're talking about tonight. But it's like three days later. After game one, I was excited to see game two. After game two, I was excited to see game three. But now it's kind of like, nah, you know, I'm not as excited for the game tonight because you've made me wait. And all of that excitement and anticipation I had after the last game is kind of gone. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that the ratings for Game 4 are going to be up. And maybe even be the highest rated of the series because you only have a day in between. Am I the only one that feels like that? Am I the only one that feels like the momentum is kind of crushed? I will say the extra day off for the player from the player perspective... Now, I understand why you do it, because you want everyone to get enough rest. You want the games to fall on a certain night in, in terms of TV-wise. Like, I get it. If you just do it every other night, you might end up having a, a finals game on a Saturday night, and is anyone going to watch it, or a Friday night, or whatever. Like, you know, those, those bad times. And you kind of want to have them in a good spot to maximize your viewers. But let's be honest. Who's watching the NBA Finals unless you like basketball? The finals are going to be watched by the people who want to watch the finals and who like it. I don't care who you are. I don't care who, I don't care when they play the games. If you are a fan of the NBA, you're going to watch the finals no matter when they air If they air it on a Tuesday afternoon, you're going to find a way to watch it. Because you're a fan. I'm sorry, I don't watch hockey. I don't. I don't. Full transparent. I don't watch hockey. The Stanley Cup Finals are happening right now. I have no idea who's in it. I have no idea what game they're on. I have no idea when they come on. I don't know. I'm not a fan. It doesn't matter when they put it on. It's not going to make me go watch it because it's a Sunday night. Man, the Stanley Cup Finals are on. I'm going to go watch it. Like, no, that's not what happens. The best thing you could do is when you have some momentum, some excitement, following it up quickly with something else. Not letting it kind of linger for a little too long. The extra day off, again, from the player's perspective, the extra day off, I feel like, favors Miami. Miami is, I don't know exactly, I bet you it's not the case based on actual age or average age of the team. But Miami, to me, seems older, more mature, a little more been there, done that, a little more secure in who they are and in their system and in their culture, that when they lost game one, having to spend the next two days hearing about how they lost game one and hearing about how good Denver is and hearing about how they're overmatched, I don't think that that affected them at all, good or bad. I don't think they stewed over it at all. I just don't think they did. Denver, on the other hand, had to hear for two days how great they were. And now Denver had to hear for the last two days how Miami's this, Miami's that, How what can they do, da-da-da-da-da. Denver, to me, who still feels like a team who's trying to prove themselves to the world, for me, those extra two days impact them greater in a negative way in terms of being like, well, now you have more time to sit and think about it. Yeah, now you gotta sit and think about what happened, and then that's gonna affect their emotional state. I think that's gonna play a factor in game three. We'll get into that in a minute. I don't like the schedule. I don't like the extra day off. I I don't. I can understand it between games two and three, like travel days. I kind of understand it because you want to have the players at their best. But if you are in Denver and you played on Monday, bro, play on Wednesday. Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting until Thursday? Don't do that. Another thing I have to say uh, is I came in here last week, probably the last two weeks, two episodes, and I proclaimed that Jimmy Butler was a top five player. I said, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. Jimmy Butler's top five. I don't care if he comes out and has a bad series. He's top five. Da da da. I did all that, right? Yeah, I did. That was me. And I know a lot of you were probably listening thinking, what an idiot. Jimmy Butler's not a top five player. I'll be honest. I love Jimmy Butler. I do. I love Jimmy Butler. I love everything Jimmy Butler is about on the court. I think the way he plays, I think his attitude, I think his, his chippiness, I think just everything about Jimmy Butler as a basketball player, I love that. I love that. And because of that love, I got a little overexcited in my praise of Jimmy Butler and kind of elevated him higher than he deserves to be. Now, I will say this. Jimmy Butler is not a top five NBA player. And there's only one reason why. And it hit me this past week when I was really thinking about it. And the problem is, is that Jimmy Butler is inconsistent. And if you're inconsistent, because I've i come in here for weeks and months and talked about how Anthony Davis is not a great player because you don't know what you're going to get. He's inconsistent. He doesn't show up night in, night out. And that's what it takes to be great. And I won't call him great. And then I turned around and I did the exact same thing. I was yelling at you guys for doing with AD and I did it for Jimmy Butler. So let me be the first one to slap myself on the wrist and just say, I apologize. Jimmy Butler is too inconsistent to be a top five player. He's probably sitting at six or seven. (laughs) He's not far from it because he has all of the skills to be a top five player. The problem is just from night to night, there are some nights where he just seems like he's not really into it. And for that reason, I can't give him top five status. So I would like to walk that back. I think Jimmy Butler is a top five level player. I just think he's too inconsistent to actually solidify himself as a top five. I'll put him at number six. So let's take take a minute to kind of, uh, before we go into what I think is going to happen in game three of the NBA Finals, let's go back over game two. And in order to do that, we actually have to go back to game one. In game one. I thought, my prediction coming in, if you don't remember, I'll remind you, I thought Miami was going to come out and play well early. I thought they were going to get a lead. And then I thought in the second half, Denver would pull away, end up winning the game, I said between 10 and 15 points. But it would be a closer game than that, and that close game would allow Miami to build up some confidence. So for that reason... For that reason, um, I thought thought that they would build some confidence and they would get themselves going a bit and go into game two, they would come out and win game two. Well, game one ended in an 11-point victory for Denver, but it kind of was the other way where Denver had a really big lead and then Miami cut it down a little bit late to make it look closer than the game actually was. So the end result was what I thought it would be. I just didn't think the way they got there would be that way. And because of that, I think Miami did have a bunch of confidence because if you watched the game and you were being objective, what you saw was Miami get a million open shots and they missed them all. They missed them all. They got a million open looks and they missed all of them. So if you're watching that and you're like, "Okay, Denver played well, they did. But they didn't destroy him, They didn't put the nail in the coffin. They didn't separate themselves. It was still within reach. And Miami couldn't make a bucket. What happens if they hit some of those? Well, the game's different. Now it's a close game and it's anyone's game and it comes down to a play here or there. That's what happened in game two. Game two was Miami was hitting shots that they had missed the night before the game was a bit closer, Denver now had to respond to being in a dogfight. The one thing I love about this Miami team is that they will fight you. From start to finish, they're going to fight you. They're going to make it difficult. When I used to play wreck basketball, that's right, I played wreck. <laughs> when I played wreck basketball, my thought was always just make it difficult. I'm not a good defender. But if I can make you have to work just a little bit harder to get your shot, I feel like I'm doing my job. Just make it a little difficult for you. Be a little physical. Just don't give them anything easy. They're going to certain guys are going to get their points. Joker's going to get his points. You can't stop him. It's not possible. Make his life a little more difficult. Right? That's what they did. They just, make, they just make it difficult for you. Like, yeah, you'll get, you'll get your shots, you'll get points, you can beat them. They're not unbeatable. But when you play them, you know that you're playing them. It's also always been my belief that one man does not beat a team. One guy getting 45 points, 50 points is not going to beat any team in the NBA. You've never seen a 45-42 NBA game. It's not happening. So you need more. So I thought the game plan or the way that Miami should look at Denver is Joker is the centerpiece. Joker, they get the ball to Joker and then they work around him. And he is the architect for everything. What happens if when he gets the ball, his option is score or pass it back out to someone who's not open? What do you do then? When you don't have free-flowing guys, what do you do then? See, when the, when Miami plays their zone and they have Gabe Vincent in the middle on Joker, to me, that is genius. Because now you have all the other guys are being locked up and it's a one-on-one with Joker and Vincent. And what is Joker going to do? Like, your, your brain tells you, I got this little guy on me, I'm, I'm going to put it up. But Miami's saying, yeah, that's exactly what we want you to do. Put it up. Because even if you shoot six out of ten, that's four times you miss. That's four trips down the court. You didn't get no points. And that's that's six points. That's 12. That's six buckets. That's 12 because you're hitting twos. You're not getting threes. You're not kicking it out to a wide open guy for a three. Well, now we just have to match twos. We like our team's ability to match your twos. Now you have guys like Porter Jr. and these role players who now... Who are used to being in rhythm and getting shots and getting a certain amount of touches and touching the ball. They're not touching the ball anymore. It throws their whole rhythm off. And that's what you saw. You saw uh, Caldwell Pope. He didn't look the same in game two, did he? Michael Porter Jr., he didn't look the same in game two, did he? Aaron Gordon didn't look the same, did he? Why? You take guys out of their rhythm and you force them to play differently. They start to rush a little bit. When they do touch the ball, they might put up some shots they wouldn't normally put up because they don't know if they're going to touch the ball again. They start feeling that pressure of, yo, this is a little different. Uh, You're out of your comfort zone. Joker scoring 41 is proof that one man doesn't beat a team. I know they won't come out and say it, but the game plan has to be let Joker go one-on-one and have to go against the natural order of basketball, which is seven-footer on a little guy, get to the hole, get it easy too. What they want to do is get it in the Joker, you double, they kick it out to the open man, they get an easy shot. That's what they want to do. If you focus on eliminating that, now you force everyone else to kind of do it on their own and that's not the players they have. No one on that team except for Jamal Murray and maybe Joker can get their own shot. Everyone else is reliant on the movement and the pass being there and them catch and shoot. When you get them out of that rhythm, ooh, it's not the same. Now, none of this is to say that I think Denver is overrated. I think Denver is bad. I don't. They're going to adjust. Game three will be different. But I think that's what we saw in game two. We saw Miami force Denver to be uncomfortable And they didn't respond well to that discomfort. So what do I think is going to happen in game three? In game three, I feel Denver is going to come out and try to prove. Like, because that's what they've been doing. They've been proving things, proving people wrong, da-da-da-da-da. The coach has been talking since game one. Oh, the talk is all about the Lakers and what they do nobody's talking about us. They've been talking about it. They got a chip on their shoulder. That's what they do. They're going to come out in Game 3 and try to prove that Game 2 was a fluke. And I think because of that, they're going to be going a little too fast. They're going to be trying a little too hard. They're going to be a little too loosey-goosey, right? Trying to do a little too much jacking up threes, trying to prove something, trying to get it all back. I think Miami at home, relaxed, feeling good, that home crowd energy, I think Miami comes out, hits some shots early, starts feeling themselves. I think Denver, trying to prove something, starts to feel a little bit of that pressure. And I think Miami pulls away, and I think Miami wins. And I think Miami wins convincingly. I think Miami wins game three. I think with all the momentum and everything going their way, I think Miami loses game four. I think they go back to Denver. I think Miami wins game four in Denver. I mean, game five in Denver, I'm sorry, and then come back and win in game six. I got the Heat in six. I'm staying with the Heat in six. So far, the series has looked and gone exactly the way I thought it would. I think Miami is going to come in tonight, like I said, and win convincingly because I just think they're going to hit shots at home. I think those guys are going to feel good with the home cooking. Maybe Tyler Hero comes back, and that gives everyone a little boost, a little jolt. I think think Denver is going to try to get it all back in one shot, and I think because of that, they're going to make some uncharacteristic mistakes, and I just think it's going to go the way of Miami tonight. That's my recap. There is one more thing I want to talk about in basketball before I move on and uh, get into a little NFL this week because I got two stories in the NFL that are really exciting to me. But I was scrolling through my phone the other day and I saw this, uh, I saw this, um, this post, this news post where it said that Kyrie Irving wants the Mavericks to trade for LeBron. And my first thought was I didn't even know Kyrie was still going to be there to be able to say he wants anybody to do anything. I guess he wants to stay. <laughs> I thought Kyrie might be leaving. I, do they still want him? Hey, Kyrie, can anyone check if the Mavericks even want Kyrie back? So that was my first thought. My second thought was, of course he does. Of course. Kyrie Irving wants LeBron to come to the Mavericks. Of course he does. He, he's got this, I don't know what it is, but he's got this, like, I don't know. Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just like, I, it must be regret, but he's got this thing with LeBron where it's like, I feel bad. Like he almost like he's trying to make it up to him that he left. Like he's trying to make it up to like, dude, I respect you. I love you. I wish, you know, we still co-. like, I don't know what it is, but it's weird. The third thing I thought was LeBron going to another team. I don't know if that's, I don't know what that's going to look like. And then I shrugged it off. Cause so I said, I don't even know what this website is. It was just something on the news feed. Like I don't, I'm not putting no credence to that. And then scrolling down further, I saw that the Mavericks have interest in acquiring LeBron. From a more reputable source. And I said, whoa. Now, maybe that reputable source saw the same thing I saw and just ran with it and said, sure, let's just go with it. Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. So if this is all just whatever, uh, then my apologies for even wasting your time talking about it. But I saw it in two separate places by two different sources, one more reliable than the other. And it got me to thinking, this is a terrible idea. This, I, this will never work. It will never work. It just won't. One re- Number one reason why. Usage rate. You have three guys who essentially need to dominate the ball to be at their absolute best. None of these three guys, Luka, Kyrie, or LeBron are catch and shoot guys. None of them. None. So what is Luca gonna do when LeBron is controlling the offense? Stand there? Yep, that's exactly what he's gonna do. And who does that help? That's gonna get you a championship, having Luca just stand around with not really doing anything? How does that help? What are you gonna do? With Kyrie just stand him around? What are you gonna what is LeBron and Luca gonna do when Kyrie's just dribbling doing his thing? What's LeBron and Kyrie gonna do when Luke is doing his thing? It's gonna be a take. It's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. I just think the idea that you're even going to it it it, it it's so dumb. It's so dumb it's It's a bad idea, and we do this all the time. This reminds me so much, and it just happened of when Russell Westbrook got traded to the Lakers, and it's like that no that's not gonna work. It's a bad idea. we know it, I know it, you know it what Listen. Somebody, let me know. Reach out to me on social media. Let me know if you think there's even a chance that that could work. I know it would I know it would be, I know the sports reporters would love it. It would be fascinating. It would be high drama. It'd be oh my god. But it ain't gonna work basketball wise, and that team might not even make the playoffs. I that team can't make the playoffs. <laughs> like it's not gonna work. Let's move over into the NFL. So I'm just gonna touch on something real quick. I said months ago. When the Aaron Rodgers to the Jets thing was happening, and I was on record multiple times ranting and raving about Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to work in New York. And New York's going to be terrible. That this foregone conclusion that they're just going to make the playoffs and have a Super Bowl run just because Aaron Rodgers is so good, that ain't going to work. Aaron Rodgers is not that guy. And pay attention. You're starting to slowly see things and hear things about Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. I will say it again. You spent 16 years with a team. A team that we will say for the past 16 years has been far better than the Jets. Green Bay the last 16 years has been better than the Jets were last year. And yet he only made it to one Super Bowl. That's it. 16 years. And you think he's going to come to your team. And for whatever reason, your team is just so much better than Green Bay ever was. That he's going to just make a Super Bowl run. I don't see it. But pay attention. Aaron Rodgers is starting to do some Aaron Rodgers thing. And when you have young players. Who have been the man. there, like since they were in high school. Then they were the man in college. And then last year they were the man in New York. And now all of a sudden, all the talk. It's about Aaron Rodgers. Hey, man. Them young guys got some egos. Them young guys, you know, every we we say it all. I'm a parent. We say it all the time. These young kids don't got no respect. Like, the rules are different. These young boys will go at Aaron Rodgers. They ain't going to look at Aaron Rodgers like, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, big respect. Nuh-uh. Give me mines. <laughs> so just pay attention to that. I'm not saying it's falling apart, but man, the signs of trouble are there. And you can ignore them if you want to. I won't. I see it. In other football news, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but reports uh, out of Arizona are that Clayton Toon is really turning some heads in Arizona. Now, if you, if you remember, I loved Clayton Toon in this, in this year's draft. Loved him. I really was hoping the Cowboys could pick him up in the third or fourth round, get him on the roster. I thought he could uh, replace Dak Prescott within a year or two. And that I thought that's your quarterback. There he is. Like he's. I thought behind C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. I thought Clayton Toon was the third best quarterback in the draft. And I'm be honest, I don't think there's a lot of separation between Bryce Young and Clayton Toon. I'm just just putting it out there. Arizona says that they're impressed with his uh, competitive nature, with his grasp of the offense, with his leadership, his maturity. He slipped in the draft. And when they asked him, he said, look, like I, you know, I knew I thought I was going to get drafted. So it didn't really matter that it went late. I just was ready for an opportunity to go somewhere and help out. He's got a great attitude. After the draft, I said, look, within, you know, Kyler Murray's on the hot seat. Within a year or two, I'm i I'm guessing that they're going to move off Kyler Murray and put in Clayton Toome. That's what I thought after the draft. Now, Kyler Murray's coming off of the ACL injury. So he's probably, he's not starting the year. So there are rumblings that Clayton Toome could start by the end of the year. Here's what I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet the excitement around Clayton Toon is not so much about his ability, but a lot more of it is probably about his attitude and the way that guys are responding around him. Because let's face it, clayton who's Clayton Toon? Did you know him coming out of high school? No, not really. Wasn't that highly recruited. Did you think anything about him when he was down in Houston? No, not really. Was there any hype or buzz around him coming into the draft? No, not really. Did he get drafted high? No. So he's just like a guy who can play football, who's really good at quarterback, in my opinion, is way better than people have ever given credit for. And now he's coming into a situation where he's a low draft pick and he's working his way up and he's doing all the right things and he's got the right attitude. Now compare that to Kyler Murray, who was a superstar coming out of high school, high recruit. Then went uh, where do you go Texas A and M and then transferred to Oklahoma. Then won the Heisman. Was a superstar in college. Came out number one pick. Coming into the NFL, super like drafted in baseball. Like you got you went pro in two sports. Like on, like listen, it's not even his fault if he has a big ego. Like what are you gonna do? I've been told that I'm the man since I was like. 14 years old everybody's looked at me as being like a god what do you think i'm not gonna think i'm a god by the time i'm 25 stop but i think that attitude that ego all of that stuff kind of rubs people the wrong way especially in an organization and i think that's where clayton toon comes in and his a little more humble attitude his little more Centered and focused on this, not worried about nothing else. This is everything. This is life. This is all I have. I think that makes him a little more desirable by that organization. And I'm going to stand with my prediction. I bet you this time next year, we're talking about Kyler Murray being on the move. They are done with him. And if Clayton Toon comes in and continues to impress the way he has, goes into preseason, impresses in preseason, that's your starter in Arizona for the next five years. At least. And if he turns into what I think he's going to be, that's a franchise quarterback. That's your new franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. Hey, man, sometimes, sometimes it's about atti- attitude matters. Attitude matters. Kyler Murray has a funky attitude. Clayton Toon, as of right now, seems like he's got a very humble, positive attitude that wins. Now, the other story I want to talk about, if I can... Flex my muscle a little bit because let me tell you, I am so deeply invested in this for good or bad. I Listen, I, I'm not going to force myself to be right. I'm not going to manipulate things so that I can be right. This is the first time in this this little side career I have of talking sports since this show has started. Since the inception of me putting my opinions out there in the world for all to hear. This is the first time in real time I get to say something, stand on something, and then see it play out. And if I'm right or wrong, I don't care. If I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to come in and own it and say, man, was I wrong. And if I was right, I'll be the first one to come in and tell you, man, I was right. What we are talking about is CJ Stroud. This is the, again, since the show started, this is the first one that I've, put it out there i've debated people i've had people be real nasty to me (laughs) be real mean man about this and this is the one that we i finally get to see it play out this is the first time you guys get to go on this journey with me and i promise you if he turns out to be a bum i'll be the first one in here laughing about it and all of that okay now like two weeks ago Uh, the coach came out and said, Hey, we're not just giving him the job. We need to, he needs to earn it. He needs to show that he's worthy. We're not just going to hand it to him. And I said, okay, that sounds like, you know, typical coach speak and we don't want him to get a big head and we don't want anybody to think that this is not a given. I get it. Cool. But ever since that moment, there's been reports coming out that he's getting the offense a lot faster than they thought he would. Players coming out, he's got really good zip on the ball. Is now, I just read earlier that he's meeting with the defensive coordinator, coordinator and going over defensive schemes and all this stuff and trying to just get more understanding of everything. This guy's going to be good, man. The guy's going to be good. If he's look, if these reports are true and he's really meeting with defensive coaches to understand defensive schemes, bro, that's high level stuff. That's the kind of stuff that like Peyton Manning was doing. Like, I need to not only know how our offense works, I need to know how defenses work. I need to I need to understand both, like everything. This guy's special, man. You know he has the arm talent. Not a single person can deny it. I've never heard anyone criticize C.J. Stroud for anything other than he went to Ohio State. You have not given me a single physical football reason why you think he won't be good in the NFL. So we all agree he's got the physical tools. He's showing you that mentally he's all in. He's studying. He's trying to learn every single thing he can. We all agree on that. So now it just comes down to, can he put two and two together? Kid's going to be good, man. Kid's going to be good. And I can't wait to see it. And I know exactly who I'm going to reach out to first. (laughs) Cannot wait. So let's move on. Uh, Before we get out of here today, I want to talk about something. Because uh, in my opinion, this is very important. And this is very kind of. Interesting when I started thinking about it and started being honest with myself about being a fan. So about a week ago, um, David Benavidez, his uh, his um, manager came out and started putting out stuff in the public uh, about how he sent an email offer, an official offer to Canelo's team to set up a fight between David Benavidez and Canelo Alvarez for undisputed at super middleweight. He said that the figure was close to $50 million. It was a legit offer. Eddie Reynoso, uh, Canelo's trainer, came out and said that's not true. Nobody sent an offer. He then started putting out the real information. Immediately, um, started watching videos and uh, reactions from the likes. Shobi Showbiz the adult, who, by the way, unbelievable channel, unbelievable dude. Super funny, super informed in terms of boxing. Like, love that dude. Uh, he started saying Canelo don't duck. That is Canelo gonna duck Benavidez? If he doesn't take the fight, it's a duck. He's ducking him. As a fan, my immediate reaction was to back Canelo up like, nah, bro, it ain't ducking. Like, he won't have to fight him. He wanna fight B-Vol. He wanna get that get back. And then I had to take a step back and be like, ah, you know what? What does it mean to say that someone's ducking? It just means that someone's avoiding a fight for whatever reason, not saying that they're scared of the person physically, but maybe they're trying to set up something bigger and that fight's going to be tougher. And if they were to lose that fight, it messes up this thing over here. So they're kind of going to avoid that over there to take this opportunity over here because they like that one more. Maybe that one's easier. Maybe that one fits the brand more. Whatever reason, ducking is just avoiding a fight. That is it. As a fan of Canelo Alvarez, I was very defensive about the idea of if he doesn't fight David Benavidez, is he ducking? And what does that mean for him? And I had to sit there and think, why do I even, why, if I am a fan of Canelo, why am I so defensive of the idea of him avoiding that fight? Why couldn't I acknowledge, sure, he's avoiding the fight, but it's cool. I started thinking. The truth is, and it hit me, the truth is, as fans, especially in boxing, we are so afraid of our, of our favorite fighters taking on these big fights because we know if they lose, their entire career is going to be trashed and tarnished. Their entire reputation is trashed and tarnished, and they will no longer be looked at in the way that we look at them as being a great fighter. Let me break it down in case that doesn't make sense. Floyd Mayweather was 49 and 0. Now let's back it up. Floyd Mayweather was 47 and 0 when he fought Manny Pacquiao. Anyone who wasn't a Floyd Mayweather fan would tell you, Floyd ain't no good. He don't he don't fight nobody. My bad. I just punched the mic. <laughs> Floyd don't fight nobody. He don't do this. Da, da, da He's overrated. Blah, 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 blah. If Floyd had lost to Manny Pacquiao, every single hater of Floyd Mayweather would have destroyed him and made his entire 47-0 run. His entire boxing career would have meant nothing. And they would have spent the rest of their lives trashing this guy. Oh, the best guy you fought. You couldn't even beat. That you beat nobody. That, and they would just trash him. And nothing he did before that point would matter at all. Nobody would care that he went 47-0. Nobody would care how many weight classes he won belt in. Nobody would care how many championship fighters he beat. Nobody would care. They would, All they would say, nah, he ain't no good, he's trash, blah, blah. And they would write him off. And as a fan, we're protective of our guys. We don't want our guy to lose. If he, if he loses, then he's no good. That's how we feel. Why? Because boxing has a major problem. Because of Floyd Mayweather being undefeated, and every time he fought being, is this going to be the time he loses? And that's the way they sold it to us. Because of that, casual fans look at boxing and say, well, who is he? Either you have a lot of knockouts, and I'll watch, or you're undefeated, and I'll watch. But if you're 27-4 and with 14 knockouts, not really interested in watching you, that's the way that... The general public looks as boxing fans, because it is so like territorial and protective. These guys haven't fought each other for so long for so many different reasons. If your favorite fighter says, "Oh, I'm not fighting him," like I'm the A side, he wants me to be the B side. I'm not taking less. Da da da. We now just side with those guys. Like, yeah, we take. We the A side, bro. And then you get into all that instead of just saying, "Well, what do you want as a fan?" Ultimately, ultimately, as a fan, what you want is the best fights. but I don't want to have to defend my guy because he lost to so-and-so because now you're going to look at my guy as if he's nothing, worthless, when that's not the case. So in the case of Canelo versus Benavidez, I said it after his last fight against John Ryder. I don't think he beats Benavidez. I don't. Canelo looked old. Canelo looked a little bit slower Canelo in the last couple fights look like his defense isn't what it used to be. Like he don't really have the same fluidity. He's taking much more punches than he used to. He's too, he's way more methodical. It's way more just walk you down, throw a heavy shot and then wait for something else. It's 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 not what it used to be with Canelo. He looks like a lot of that ring time is catching up and he's not the same guy. I don't think he beats a young Benavidez who's taller who's naturally bigger, and who has longer arms and throws way more punches. I don't think he beats that guy. I don't think so. I don't think he beats b in a rematch. So as a fan, I would love to see the fight, though. Because as a fan of Canelo, if Canelo were to beat Benavidez, Talk about legacy. Talk about what you're gonna say now. This is a guy in his prime, a young guy, scary guy, in his prime. Canelo, not in his prime anymore, who we all acknowledge looks like he's you know almost done. Is gonna fight that guy and win. Legendary. But on the flip side, if he goes and fights that guy and loses, now everyone trashes Canelo. Now when you say I'm a Canelo fan, people look like oh that bum. And then you just feel bad, like he ain't a bum. <laughs> He's just old, man. <laughs> Go back and watch the tape. Look what he used to do. But I think that's what it is. I think that's why. I think that's why more fans of these fighters don't get as mad when they don't get the fights because if you're if you if you ride for this guy, you want that guy to be looked at like great. And once they lose, that comes off the table. Because again, like I said in boxing, if you're not undefeated. You're not great. That's the way the boxing fans look at it now, for whatever reason. We've, we've, we've made your record what makes you great. I think Paulie Malignaggi has one of the greatest resumes of all time. A great fighter. Lost a bunch of fights. But he fought. Him. He fought everybody. Sean Porter, one of my favorites. Like I love Sean Porter. Why? Because he fights everybody. He's fought everybody. He didn't beat everybody. But he fought them all. These are fighters. Canelo is one of those guys that I always looked at and loved and appreciated because I felt like he was willing to fight everybody. Now, as he's getting older recently, it seems like he's being a little more selective. But still, I'm not mad at the selectiveness of it. Like, be selective if you have to. I get it. But at the same time, as a fan, I want the fight. I just hate the idea of the negative backlash if Canelo were to lose. Canelo going into the fight should not be the favorite. He shouldn't. And if he loses, that's probably what should happen. But if he wins, legend. So I guess it comes down to do I think he's going to take the fight? No. Uh, No, I don't. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to. I think he is going to try to get that B-Vol fight again. Because that's that's a fight with a championship fighter at 175 that if he can get that fight in place of Benavidez, that one at least. You can't be too mad at that because it is a big challenge. If he goes and fights someone like a John Ryder again, like that level of fighter, instead of Benavidez, that looks bad. That's obvious, Duck. I think Canelo does duck him. I think Canelo does get away with not fighting Benavidez. I would love to see it. Um, but at the same time, as fans, I think I think at the end of the day, as fans, what we need to do is remember. What we love is boxing, and we love fighters fighting, and those big fights are what we need to see. And win or lose, guys deserve respect. And guys deserve to say, look, even if Canelo lost to Benavidez, the fact that he's willing to fight him needs to be respected and appreciated so that more of these big mega fights can happen. Ryan Garcia lost to Tank Davis, but Ryan Garcia deserves credit for calling out Tank, for fighting for that fight, to trying to get it, to agreeing to all the terms and then getting into the ring and fighting him. Yes, he lost, but he still deserves to be respected as someone who who was willing to do it and challenging himself and taking on that fight. Whoever wins out of Crawford and Spence, whoever loses, deserves respect for taking that fight, for fighting that fight, and being in there. And I think as fans, we need to start getting back to, we want to see the, could you imagine if the Chiefs never play the Bengals? And you're just like, yo, these two good teams, we want to see them play, like, but they're not going to play each other. It would be dumb. We need to start getting boxing back to being like other competitive sports, whereas we want to see the best fight the best. We want to see the best play the best. We wanted to see LeBron versus Kobe in the finals. We never got it, but, man, we wanted it. Imagine if you never get these big fights. It's like like not seeing the best play the best. We need to get back to that. We need to stop worrying about win-loss record, and we need to get to a point where it's all about the fights. And I'm for it. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate y'all coming through again and joining me for another week of Sometimes i Be Right. Listen, NBA Finals, I got the Heat winning Game 3. We will not speak until, I think, after Game, man, we might be on Game 5 by the time next time we speak. But I think Miami's going to win Game 3 at home. I think they're going to lose Game 4 um if we don't get there i think they win game five in denver did you catch all that those are my predictions for the week listen uh enjoy the finals if you're watching stanley cup enjoy it let me know how it is i don't know follow me on social media at cyber underscore pod that's s-i-b-r underscore p-o-d on all social media platforms check me out on youtube we're up there posting new content uh follow me on there that's cyber network that's s-i-b-r network on there like subscribe do all that good stuff wherever you're listening to your podcast if you could give me a rating if you could leave a comment it boost it up gets it to more people we could grow this cyber family to once again make it the greatest sports family in the world take care i'll see you next week